0: Thanks for listening to the Bluff City Apostolic Worship Center podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, go to BluffCityAWC.com. And you can follow us on Facebook by liking our Facebook page, Bluff City Apostolic Worship Center. And find us on Instagram with our Instagram handle, AWC. Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse 10. In the New King James Version, this is what the word of the Lord says. The Apostle Paul writing, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned learned. In whatever state I am, to be content, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full, and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. Can we go to the word? Of the, go, go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, This morning and ask that he would bless the time that we have left together this morning in Jesus name Lord all over this room right now. We're reaching for you. We recognize we need a word from God today Lord, I pray that you would feed us from your word and that your spirit would minister to us in a powerful way Lord, I pray that our eyes would be opened to the truth of your word and that our ears would be able to hear what thus says the word of the Lord. Lord, I pray that someone's heart would be opened in the name of Jesus right now to receive a word from God that encourages them, that edifies them, that equips them, that brings us closer to you than we were when we walked into the building. Lord, you know what's ahead of us this week. And I pray that your word would go forth right now with authority and power into the life of every person that will hear it, and that you will bless us and help us to be in alignment with you for the things that are ahead of us in the week to come. In Jesus' name we pray. The church said amen. You may be seated. I want to speak this morning from those two words that the Apostle Paul wrote about. I want to talk about abased and abounding. Abased and abounding. I don't know about anybody else, but Uh, my electricity at my house went out this morning. Anybody else? All right, me and Sister Doty. Our electricity went out. Um, mine went out at about 2.30, 2.40 in the morning. Uh, that's always fun, especially when you have small children, because everybody gets stirred up. The whole family gets stirred up, because everything powers down, and everyone starts, uh, calling out for mom, and, uh, old dad doesn't get the call, and, uh, but it stirs everybody up, and you got that, you know, five to ten minute window where everyone, you're trying to figure out what's going on, you got to call Ozark Border and let them know that there's an outage, and then you got to get the kids settled again, and uh, anyways, you get all settled back in, and then you lay there, and you wonder, is this going to be a ten minute outage? Is this going to be a ten hour outage? Uh, What are we looking at here? Uh, What's my day going to be like today? And uh, it was one of those nights that came on about I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours later, and all is well at the Williams home. But a few weeks ago, you'll remember, uh, it's probably been, I don't know, five or six weeks ago, we had a series of storms come through, and my electricity got knocked out then. And uh, that time, it was out for about a day and a half, and uh, my kids had never really uh, experienced uh, the power being out for more than just a couple hours, and uh, we all know what that's like, and so what they got to experience that evening was, uh, and thank God, mercifully, it, the temperatures were still low enough to where uh, it didn't really matter whether or not we had the air conditioner or the heat. Uh, it was just that perfect time of year. So we didn't have to deal with that element of things, but we did have to deal with the fact that it got dark and we didn't have any lights to turn on. And uh, so the girls got to experience, you know, the lighting of the candles, uh, you know, and uh, pulling everything out of the cabinets. and lighting the candles and finding the little LED lanterns that you stash away and digging out the batteries and thinking, dear Lord, where's the batteries at? Um, I thought we had more double A's, and uh, they got to experience the ritual that goes along with that, and um, and, and they got to experience one of those evenings where we have to light all the candles and get out the lanterns, and at first, and you know what I'm talking about, at first it feels like a step backwards, doesn't it? It feels like, man. This, you know, we don't have anything going on. We got the candles and the lanterns out, and we're just going to sit here and stare at each other. And it feels like a step backward. But, and, and no doubt that's the way my girls felt at first. But it doesn't take very long, does it, to realize that it's actually kind of a step forward in a, stri- in a strange way. Can we agree with that today? That when nothing works and everything's just turned off and everything's just kind of reduced and we're down to our lowest common denominator and, and we're looking at each other in the glow of the candles and the LED lanterns, And uh, it's just a different feel to it. And at first, it might feel like, doggone it, you know, we're taking a step backward. But it's not really the case, is it? We're actually taking a step forward. And what it does is it sets an environment that you really don't get any other way, do you? Not in this day and age, unless it's forced upon you. Unless the electric just, unless a tree falls and the electric is just out, you don't get that any other way. You can say, "Oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna turn the TV off tonight. We're gonna turn it off." Well, you know what that means? That means everyone sits around on their phone. <laughs> or you can say, "We're gonna put our phones away, and we're not gonna have any phones tonight." And you know what that means? It means the TV gets booted up, or, or you know, whatever. You know, it's just really difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. And uh, but but whenever circumstances out of your control step in, it kind of sets an environment that you really can't get any other way. Uh, it takes inconvenience, doesn't it? takes the inconvenience, the stripping away of the luxuries, the dismantling of the distractions, and uh, getting down to the core of what's happening. And it brings us down to our lowest common denominator. In other words, if we were to use the word that the Apostle Paul used, um, it, it kind of abases us, doesn't it? That, that word, abase, abasement. I know what it is to be abased. It just means to reduce. It just means to bring down to the lowest common denominator. Those two words, abased and abound, leapt out at me recently when I was reading the book of Philippians, and and that's why I want to minister this morning about abased and abounding. Abased is where miracles start. That that and just to use kind of a familiar set of scenario, we talked about the electricity being out. There's something special that happens when you know. I mean, there's just things that happen that can't really happen any other time, that really don't happen any other time other than when the electricity goes out. There's connections that are made. There's activities you partake in. There's just things you do as a household, as a family, as a couple, what have you, that, that you really don't do any other time. And in a spiritual sense, if we were to use that word that the Apostle Paul is ministering in the fourth chapter of Philippians, that abasement, that, that, that word of being abased, being reduced, there's things that happen in the spirit that don't happen any other time other than whenever things get stripped away, things get brought down, things get reduced, things get dismantled around us, and we're left with just that lowest common denominator. Am I right this morning? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been to the place where spiritually, just in life, everything else has fallen apart, everything else has been disconnected, nothing else seems like it's working, but that's where God starts to work. Amen? And Paul knew all too well that when I am abased, that's where miracles can start to happen. Impossible is where God operates, amen? That's where God does his greatest work is whenever we put our hands up and say, you know what, it doesn't really seem like anything can work right now. It doesn't feel like I'm connected to the power. It doesn't feel like the circumstances are right, but that's where God can start to work in the difficulty, in the challenge, is where growth begins. And it's in those low places of life. It's in those valleys of life. And you know what I'm talking about today because many of you have walked through those low places where you feel disconnected, where everything else feels dismantled, and you don't feel like anything's working. And you found it to be true. It's true of your testimony today that that's where God begins to work. That's where God does his best work at. That's where God grows a person. He grows a family. We get our roots a little bit deeper. We step out into new areas and our faith starts to grow whenever we are abased. Amen. That's where all the ingredients for greatness exists at, is whenever we are in that low place. To use the language that Paul uses in Philippians chapter 4, abounding begins in abasement. Abounding begins whenever we are abased, whenever we are reduced, when everything around us has been quieted down, when the inconvenience sets in, when the dismantling and the distractions are all set aside. That's where things start to happen. That's where God starts to be able to do his work. That's where abounding actually begins is whenever God has brought us down to the lowest common denominator of who we are and what we are. The scriptures tell us that exaltation begins in humility. Whenever we are humbled, that's where God starts to exalt, right? Legacy has its roots in languishing. Sometimes when we're toiling, we're languishing. We 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 feel like we're just going in circles. That's where God's got things in the work. That's where even when we don't see it, he's working. That's where he's doing it at. That's where he's doing it at. He's doing it whenever we're reduced. He's doing it whenever there's a humility that's imposed on us that maybe we didn't ask for. I didn't ask for the electricity to go out that day. It wasn't part of my plan, but sometimes life just happens. Sometimes things begin to happen and we're brought down to that state where we're reduced where there's things that aren't going on that are usually going on around us. And that's where God can do a work that will stand the test of time in our life. Amen. Those far reaching effects often gain traction, brother Joe, in those reduced environments. I'll show you how that works here in just a couple of minutes. But just like those memories that you can make, when the electricity goes out, right, you got the kids gathered around and all of a sudden you're playing a board game instead of, you know, or whatever, instead of doing whatever you normally do, you know what I'm talking about. Those things can't happen any other way. It's not happening. Those things don't happen. That traction, those memories, just to use the metaphor that I keep using, those memories and that traction you gain as a family, as a household, it can't be gained in the full, the full light of every light in the house being on. It's not gained in the glow of the television screen or the phone screens, amen, but there's traction. There's things that are gained whenever we get reduced and whenever we get simplified and we get brought back down to the lowest common denominator. When there's a season of simplicity, does anyone know that I'm talking about the season we're in as a church right now? When we're in a season of simplicity, when we're in a season where to our physical senses it seems like we're a little bit reduced, amen. Can we just get down to reality where we are? When there's a little bit of humility, when there's a little bit of to use Paul's word, there's abasement. There's we've been abased, we've been brought down a little bit, and we're not we don't feel like we're operating and firing on all cylinders like we normally do, and there's things that have been removed from the equation where we don't have the full worship. Set and the full worship group and we don't have the full service and we don't have the full crowd and we don't have the full time slot and we don't have the full service schedule and everything's just feeling a little bit simplified and a little bit reduced and that's just the season that we're in. And I want to encourage somebody today, whether you whether you can identify with us collectively being in that season, or whether you can identify with personally feeling like you're in a season like that right now, God's at work, God's doing something, God's trying to get you to do something that maybe you haven't done in a while, He's trying to get you to dust something off that you haven't dusted off in a while, because there's a work He wants to do in you, there's a growth process that He wants to initiate in you, Amen. We see it when the Apostle Paul was in prison. The book of Philippians, the letter of Philippians, was written from prison. Paul spent a lot of time in his ministry in prison cells, amen? He was imprisoned for the gospel. It was unfair. It was uncalled for. It was exactly the opposite of what everything thought everyone is the opposite of what everyone thought would be best for Paul's ministry. If we were having a meeting right now and we were having a strategic meeting, we just get the the meeting of the minds happens. And we all come together and we open the floor today and we start thinking what's going to be the best way for the apostle Paul to make a difference in his generation. What kind of thing what would we come up with? We would say, "Well, we need to make sure that he has enough Tickets to take a boat wherever he wants to go. We need to get this guy crisscrossing the entire world. We need to get him on a boat to Rome. We need to get him on a boat to Philippi. We need to get him on a boat to Ephesus and to Colossae and to Galatia. We need to get this guy everywhere. We need to have him on the move. We need to have him mobile. He needs to be in every pulpit every week. We need to start a YouTube channel for the Apostle Paul. We need all this stuff going on. We need to pull out all the stops and we'd have a meeting, and in our natural faculties, I promise you, that's the plan we'd come up with, some semblance of it. We'd try to fund his missionary journeys. We'd try to make sure he was able to be on the move and that he didn't lack anything, but God, in his wisdom, led Paul to a place where he was imprisoned because he was preaching the gospel, It was the exact opposite of the plan that we would probably come up with. It was probably the exact opposite of what Paul had in mind when he answered the call to preach and he decided that he was going to be a minister of the gospel. But you know what he did while he was in prison? Many of you know this. He wrote letters. He wrote Philippians. He wrote Ephesians. He wrote Colossians. He wrote Philemon. He wrote these letters. These letters that are still part of our New Testament today that we can turn to right now and we can read the word of God. We can read wisdom from God. And it was composed in a prison cell. Let me put it like this. There are things about, I'll just pick a topic, spiritual warfare that we might never know about today. If Paul had not been seated in a prison cell, writing the book of Ephesians next to a soldier that had on a full set of armor. You know where I'm at? The full armor of God. There are, There's insights into spiritual warfare, things that happen in the spirit that perhaps we would never be privy to. If Paul had not been in that prison cell, writing the book of Ephesians. I'm talking today about how God can unleash some things in your life and in the life of the entire church in a season where we feel abased. God can cause things to abound. I think we can make a good case that what Paul contributed to the faith by writing letters to the Ephesians and the Colossians and the Philippians probably superseded anything he could have done traveling around and preaching from church to church. But instead, we have letters that have stood the test of time that are in our Bibles 2,000 years later that give us principles and that teach us things about God and teach us things about being Christians and show us how to be successful living for God. And that legacy was happening in a prison cell. It was happening in that less than ideal environment. It was happening in inconvenience. It was happening in suffering. It was happening in that low season of one man's life. And that's where God decided to make things start abounding. There was a day when Satan and the powers of darkness thought that victory over God was all but certain. It was that day when Jesus carried his cross up Golgotha, and they stripped him down, and they nailed him to that shard of wood, and they mocked him and they spit on him, and they gambled over his clothes and they left him there to die. That was the ultimate abasement of the cross. That was the ultimate reduction, the ultimate humiliation, the ultimate in every way of what the Apostle Paul was writing about in Philippians chapter 4. He was separated from everyone and everything. He was humiliated. He was reduced. He was rendered ineffective and out of play is what Satan thought. But we know how that went for Satan. Amen? Because the scriptures say, when I am weak, then I'm strong. At Calvary, that was the ultimate picture of what it was to be abased. But through that act and through what happened during those three days, there was life that sprang forth. There was abounding life that sprang forth we're able to receive the gift of God's spirit into our life today because of what happened at Calvary, because there was a life that sprang forth in that low place, in that place where there weren't any answers, in that place where it seemed like there was just a reduction, like there was nothing going on, everything else had been stripped away. That's the place where God chose to perform a miracle. That's the place where God decided to extend life to you and me. That's why every year at Easter, We go back and we look because we recognize that in that low place, even though we don't like going back there, Joe, even though we don't like looking at that place and we don't like meditating on the pain and the suffering and everything that our Lord and Savior went through, we recognize that that's the place where life comes from. That's the place where power comes from. That's the place where everything that we need to be successful and to make it to heaven comes from. It came from Calvary. It came from that low place. And today, I wanna encourage somebody in the Holy Ghost, maybe you're identifying personally with being in that low place where you felt a little bit discouraged. You felt a little bit disconnected. You felt reduced. You felt simplified. You felt like things have been stripped away and you're not sure what's going to work and what's not going to work anymore. But I'm here to tell you today. God's wanting to grow you. God's not finished with you yet. God has a season. I wish somebody believed it this morning, that God has a season ahead of you. I don't care what season of life you're in. I don't care what decade of life you're in. God has a work for you to do. God has a season that's ahead of you, that's ahead of all of this low place and this abasement that we've been dealing with. But collectively and individually, God wants to encourage somebody today and say, though today I may be abased, I still know what it means to abound. I still know what it means to live for God in authority and power. I still know what it means to live for God and be victorious in the name of Jesus. I still know what it means today to make a difference in somebody's life. And I can do it even if my circumstances may look like I can't do it. Even if my circumstances around me are less than ideal. Maybe if I look around and I feel like I'm in a prison cell of life. And I feel like I'm being heavily guarded. And I feel like I don't have a whole lot of room to work. And I don't have a whole lot of space to maneuver. There's still something that God is on the move and doing today want to tell somebody, and I want to tell the church collectively that the church is alive and well. The church is alive and well. There may be seasons we go through. We've gone through seasons like this before where you could describe it as abased or reduced. We've been hit with staggering losses. We've been challenged. We've faced seasons of renewal. We've faced seasons where we've had to take a couple steps back, but hear me today. It's actually been a couple steps forward. Don't let your natural faculties fool you because there's something going on in the Spirit. There's something God is preparing His church for today. And even though in our natural sense, we may feel like we're abased. God has an abounding season ahead of us, and every single one of us has the ability to be a part of it. If we can just open the eyes of our faith today and see in our faith what God is doing among us, then we will see that there is a season ahead of us and that the church is alive and well. The church is alive and well, not because we're hyped up, not because we're pumped up, but because we are connected to the one true living God, because we have the gift of the Holy Ghost working inside of us, and nothing can take that away. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Nothing can blow out the flame of the Holy Ghost in the church, in the church that prays, in the church that stays in the word of God, in the church that loves one another. Nothing can blow out the flame of God's spirit. And even though we may be abased, And we may be in a low place. And we may feel a little bit reduced and a little bit oversimplified. The candles are still lit. We can still see what's going on. We can still be led by the Holy Ghost. And there are some things that can happen even on a Sunday morning like this. There are some things that can happen during weeks and months like the ones we've been facing that couldn't happen in any other set of circumstances except the ones that we're facing. I know the Antichrist spirit is strong and at work. I watch the news and I see the news just like everybody else does. It's loud and it's visible. But the spirit of Christ has already won. Death has been defeated. Sin has already been dealt with, church. We have still got the best message that the world has to offer. We've still got the best message of hope, the only message of hope. There might be a lot of counterfeits floating around, and I know we feel inundated, and we feel that pressure of the antichrist spirit coming against the church and coming against everything that God wants to do. But I want to encourage you today. Nothing can stop the testimony of one child of God that decides to open their mouth and share the gospel with somebody. Nothing can stop the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, even though we may be abased, even though we may be reduced. There's nothing that can stop the spirit of God from reaching out into people's homes and into your neighborhoods and towards your lost loved ones and abounding and doing an abounding work of the spirit in their lives. Do you believe that today? Do you have faith for your neighbors? Do you have faith for your lost loved ones that there's still an abounding work of the spirit that he desires to do? He can do it because the church is alive and well. The church is full of God's spirit and there's nothing that's going to stop the will of God in the earth. There's life on the other side of a low place. You can still do something for God during a season of life. Even when you feel ineffective, I have to imagine the emotions that the Apostle Paul felt. I know he was probably encouraged in his spirit But just in his natural emotions, I have to imagine that he felt a little bit discouraged while he was sitting in that prison cell, that there were places that he probably would have rather been. You know what I'd rather have? I'd rather all of us be able to be in here. I'm not discouraged in my spirit, but just being completely honest, there's some things that I wish I could wave a magic wand and and make it the way I wanted it to be. And I imagine the Apostle Paul probably felt some of that and no disrespect, but I believe probably Jesus, while he was going to Calvary, probably had some of those thoughts where he was struggling in his, in his natural man of, I wish this could be a different way. I wish I didn't have to go this low. I wish that all this didn't have to happen in order to fulfill the will of God. We can still do something for God during a season of life that looks like this and that feels like this. There's work to be done, even if we feel like we aren't in our sweet spot, amen? Even if you aren't in your prime, even if we're not in our comfort zone, God still wants to work. It doesn't matter what your circumstances look like. We know, we know, we know that God wants to do tremendous things, amen? We know that God wants to do miracles, we know that God wants to save the lost. I'm preaching to a generation. This morning who knows that that's the truth the church needs and I haven't been over here in a good while I know that <laughs> so I want to speak to this group of, of this generation and just tell you I recognize that that you've been places and you've seen things and we need the voice and the faith of our elders who have been to those low places before who have faced the winds of change and come out on the other side. Thank you for sticking with the church during this season. Thank you for recognizing this season for what it is and for holding on to the vision of the church. Thank you for knowing that this is not the time to have a thin relationship with God and a thin relationship with the church, but to press in and to maximize. Thank you for being that voice and for being those people of influence in our congregation because you have a wealth of experience and knowledge and life that you can draw from, that this congregation and this city desperately needs from the saints of God. I want to pick one more word as the musicians come. I want to pick up one more word from Paul in this passage that we read together in Philippians chapter four, and it's that word content. Verse 11 reads that Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. The scriptures say in other places that godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. Great gain. Not just gain. Not just advantage. But great gain. Great advantage. We know how to be content. And I pray that God would allow us and teach us how to be content. But I want to encourage you today that just because we are content and just because we find a place where we can be content doesn't mean that we have to be contained. I'm not here to suggest today that Paul should have wanted to go to prison so that he could learn how to be content. I'm not here today to try to suggest that Jesus should have been happy about going to Calvary so that he could learn a valuable lesson about what it means to be content. And I don't want to pretend like this season of pandemic and this season of life individually and as the church, I don't want to pretend like it's been particularly delightful for all of us. In my natural faculties, I don't like it. It feels wrong, but we're learning how to be content. And just because we're content, doesn't mean that we have to remain contained. Will you stand with me this morning? I think one of the most important, one of the most important things we can walk away with on a morning like this is that God's will is bigger than anything any of us can get our minds around. There's so much that God's doing. We know that. We know that there's a lot of things that God's doing, that he's on the move, It's always that way, isn't it? But it's during times like this that we become acutely aware that this is so much bigger than what I can comprehend. That God's doing things. That God's on the move. That the will of God and what he's bringing to pass in the earth around me and the world around me is so much bigger than what I can get my mind around. And it's in seasons like this where we really recognize that more than usual i'm committed to in whatever state we are in however we have to have church whatever methods we have to pick up to get the job done i am committed to abounding i'm committed to abounding i'm going to and i i know that you feel the same way and in this morning what i'm calling us to do is each of us individually can we make a commitment to god together all over this room right now, can we lift our hands? And if you're watching online this morning, can you lift up your hands wherever you are? And can we make a commitment individually, but together, that God, I, I, I'm not going to pretend like what's happening around me in the world isn't happening. I'm not going to put my head in the sand and live in some fantasy land, but I'm going to make a commitment that in spite of everything that I see happening, I'm going to abound. I'm going to recognize the abounding work of the Holy Ghost that you can bring to pass in my life. Would you pray right now? Would you pray in the spirit for just a few minutes on this Sunday morning?